Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today. How are you doing? Doing well, and Scott Pasco joining us as well. Scott, how are you? Doing good. I, I think this podcast needs to start off with a previously on Orange and Brown Talk <laughs> and refer to what we were all talking about yesterday when it came to Richard Higgins, because this is going to be a totally different conversation today, right? That's yeah. true. Listen, our texters are very happy. I, I get the impression that uh, Brown's Twitter is very happy uh, with the news today that Rashard Higgins is back. It's a, it's a one-year deal, uh, about $900,000, $910,000 for Rashard Higgins. So as we were talking about before we came on the air, a little bit of a pay cut uh, for Rashard. Uh, but Mary Kay, yesterday, of course, we were answering questions about kind of what his future was from our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, today, we know at least his immediate future uh, Rashard Higgins back with the Cleveland Browns for at least a year. Well, I knew he had a few offers that, that he was contemplating. And basically what happened is, is that he took less money to come back to Cleveland and play with Baker Mayfield because of the chemistry that he has with Baker, the friendship, the camaraderie. This is where he really wanted to be. So, you know, he, he said no to a couple of other offers to come back here to have this opportunity to kind of try to rebuild his career and put behind him the awful 2019 season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Scott, last year was just brutal for Richard Higgins, especially when you compare what he did the year before, and then you look at the numbers last year. I mean, it's just staggering the drop-off, uh, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Freddie Kitchens just didn't want to put him on the field uh, after what happened against Seattle. Yeah, and a lot of people had that kind of year for the Browns last year. You know, the, the guy who looked good in 2018, but then for whatever reason, it didn't work out. You know, you, you go with Baker and the Joku are, are in that camp as well. Uh, but yeah, for Higgins, um, you know, it just never, he never got on track. And then now he is clearly the guy after Beckham and Landry that I think has the most experience of the, the guys vying for that quote-unquote number three spot, other than maybe Taewon Taylor, who, who had uh, uh, a decent amount of catches when he was with the Titans. But, but really, Higgins kind of shoots to the top there. So as far as experience goes, you know, he, it, it's there for the taking. Now he has to see if he can claim it. Yeah, I think, you know, also when you look back to last year, if you guys remember, uh, he had the sprained knee. And then, uh, you know, he kind of expressed some dismay 
that they didn't play him, that they didn't make him active for the San Francisco game before that Seattle game. And I think that's when he really started to get in Freddie's doghouse, when he uh, spoke out about not being active, when he felt he was ready to play. He just didn't understand it. And uh, it kind of just was a downward spiral from there. But I think you're right, Scott. Uh, you know, I, I think that in this new regime, I think these guys understand and recognize. They've talked to enough players and coaches and people that were involved with went on what went on last year in this dysfunctional offense. They know how scarred Rashard Higgins is. They know how scarred David Njoku is. They know what went on and they're not holding it against those guys. It's new life and a fresh start. And if you remember, uh, Andrew Barry was around when Rashard Higgins was drafted and he was around when David Njoku was drafted. And that's meaningful. Because he was, he was part of that. He was actually the, uh, you know, the number one football guy, you know, during that period of time. So uh, I would have to say that, you know, it's an opportunity for these guys to kind of get back on track, rebuild their career. And I agree. I think that, uh, you know, he really will challenge for that number three receiver job. And it's going to, to depend in part on, on how Kevin Stefanski feels about him how Chad O'Shea, the receivers coach, feels about him. But this is a real chance for him. This is such a rare opportunity in the NFL for, like, everyone on this offense. You normally don't get do-overs in this league. You know, everything is so fickle and, and you, you know, change happens. Browns fans don't need to be told that. Change happens so quickly. Uh, obviously, the coaching staff from last year didn't get a do-over. But there are a lot of players, Mary Kay, like you mentioned, especially Higgins and Njoku, who, who are kind of getting do-overs. And if you're the Browns, it's so low risk with those guys. They either come in and they look great and they're part of your future, or they come in and they don't look great and you just move on. And uh, it's really interesting. You know, Baker Mayfield kind of gets a do-over on last year. Obviously, his situation is different from those guys. Uh, Even Odell Beckham, who still got over 1,000 yards last year, he kind of gets a do-over after playing with that injury. It's just do-overs everywhere, which is really rare in this league. I want to I want to throw some trivia at you guys though, because here's here's the one caveat with Rashard Higgins coming back. Do you guys know who the third most targeted receiver? This is I'm basing this off Pro Football Reference. The third most targeted receiver on the Minnesota Vikings was last year. Obviously, Diggs and Thielen would be one and two. You guys aren't going to get this. Kyle Irv Smith. Well, Irv Smith. I know somebody was hurt. I know that. Tight end. I'm just talking wide, wide receivers. Oh, you're talking wide receivers. Okay. Receivers. I thought you meant. Yeah, not not just just wide. I should have said. Hold, hold on. Let me text Ellis here really quick. <laughs> he might know the answer to this. Uh, Ola B.C. Johnson, 45 targets. Wow. Now, here's a trivia you guys are going to get. Yep. This is not just exclusive to wide receivers. Who was the Browns' third leading receiver last year in yardage? Not just wide receivers, but the player with the third most receiving yards. I, I don't have I, I don't have that answer off the top of my head, Dan. I should. Yeah. Uh, third That's most. That's going to be Kareem Hunt, right? Yes. Yeah. Even, even in only eight games, okay. Third. Yeah. Third leading. Third leading player in receiving yards. So the reason I bring this yeah. up is. It's great Rashard Higgins is back, and we spent so much time talking about third receivers, but we talked yesterday about all the guys who are going to need the football, right? And we know Nick Chubb, 
We know Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, the tight ends. We kind of know how all those guys are going to get the football. And it, I just can't get away from this fact that if Kareem Hunt is on this team, if he's playing, it's going to be really hard for one of these other receivers, even Rashard Higgins, to get on the football field. I, I just think Kareem Hunt is still your best option if you're looking at a third receiver. You can line him up in line. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up on the end. I guess what I'm saying is, Browns fans, you should probably prepare yourselves for Kareem Hunt sort of in that do-everything Duke Johnson role. And guys like Rashard Higgins, Kaderil Hodge, uh, Damian Ratley, it, it just seems like they're going to have trouble getting on the field in this offense Kevin Stefanski wants to run. Yeah, they, they probably will. I mean, he, he very rarely ran three receivers in Minnesota. And like you said, when you have a player like uh, Kareem Hunt, who is so versatile, who can go out there, and you have no idea if he's going to run the ball or if he's going to catch the ball. I mean, it gives you options with RPOs and different things like that. Uh, you know, it, once again, as we've said, you, you know, you can play him in the slot. You can split him out wide. You can do all different kinds of things with him. You can use him as a fullback. Uh, he, I, I think they're going to love all the different things that he can do for them. And he basically just tried to, he basically scratched the surface last year because, you know, they kind of eased him back into it. He came back off the suspension and, uh, and he did a great job, but, you know, they just didn't have him for the whole year so that they could do all the things that I think that, that these guys will do. So I, I agree with you on that, Dan. I, I think that, uh, I think he will be used early and often in the passing game. The, the Browns have 12 receivers on their roster. Not everybody signed contracts yet, and that might look different once they start doing that because uh, I counted 91 players as of right now, so somebody obviously has to go. But 12 receivers, and take, take Beckham and Landry out of that list, and the 10 remaining had a combined 20 catches last year. That includes Higgins. Ratley had 12 of those. So not a lot of production from the rest of the guys on that list there. So you're right. You're you're, you're looking at a lot of guys who probably aren't going to be here when, uh, when camp uh, breaks and, and the guys who are here aren't going to get the kind of, predict, uh, kind of production that you would expect out of uh, most number three receivers. I think what's going to have to happen is on this, on this offense, you're going to have to have a lot of really super, super selfless guys. There's going to be no room for the diva. There's going to be no room for complaining about things. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to stand for that sort of thing. Uh, I think they, you know, they had a little bit of that going on in Minnesota last year. I think he really understands and knows how to deal with it. I think he knows how to head it off at the pass. Uh, quite often we hear him say, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to do it. It starts to seem to be a little bit of a theme from him. He doesn't like a lot of the yapping about things about you know making predictions and what they're going to do and all that sort of thing uh, so I just think it's going to be a group that is going to have to just be really willing to do whatever it takes to win the football game and not worry about how many targets they get or how many catches they get yeah and I just think you know again it just comes down to and, and honestly it's it, it really isn't about Richard Higgins necessarily or any of these other guys it just comes down to if I'm a coach if I'm an offensive coordinator having Kareem Hunt on the field, especially if he's out there with Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and, oh, you know, whatever you do with the tight ends position, it's just too tempting to pass up. And I'm looking it up now here on, uh, on PFF. Uh, Kareem played 309 snaps last year, according to their data, 209 in the backfield, 64 in the slot, and 33 out wide. And so I just think 
we talk about him, it's easy to kind of talk about him as a running back because I don't think, like you mentioned, Mary Kay, they kind of slow played him a little bit last year. And Mm -hmm. in hearing Alex Van Pelt talk about him at his introductory presser, it almost felt like, you know, maybe he felt like they could have had him on the field together with Nick Chubb more. Mm -hmm. And like, that's something he wants to kind of unlock. So listen, Kareem Hunt's a guy who's running out of strikes, but if you're able to get him to camp, get him on the field, he's, he's as dangerous a weapon as this football team has. And, and I think that's something that it's going to be really hard to keep off the field. You know, even if Rashard Higgins is really good, it's going to be really hard to keep Kareem Hunt off the field if you have to choose between those two guys. Yeah, imagine being uh, Alex Van Pelt right now. You're taking over uh, as the offensive coordinator of a football team that suddenly got two brand new premium offensive tackles in Jack Conklin, Jedrick Wills. You've got really your good and strong all across the offensive line, both in pass pro and run blocking. You've got Baker Mayfield, who they, you know, even they said today, Andrew Berry said uh, in an interview this morning on, on Golick and Wingo, they expect him to have a fantastic year in this offense, this quarterback-friendly offense. Uh, they've got all these tight ends. They've got Jarvis. They've got – I mean, this is like a offensive coordinator's dream. And I think we can say that again this year. <laughs> I don't think we have to be afraid to say things like that. Pick your poison and look at all the talent. Because I think that these guys are going to get – coached up. I think the preparation is going to be there. I think they are going to call the game very well. I think they're going to know what to do with all of this talent. They're not going to be in over their head. They're going to be adults about it. I think it's going to work. Uh, the, the, big, the big change there is knowing what they have on the offensive line. Even as we talked last year about all the potential of the offense, there was still always that one line that you would add, well, if you know the offensive line plays as well as you know they hope. Because everybody knew that, you know, with Chris Hubbard and Greg Robinson, we'd already seen that play once, you know, going through 2018. So, yep. you know, now now you have, like you said, you have those big changes to tackle. And even if, even if you have to just find something, even if it's Teller at right guard, even if that's a quote-unquote weak link, at least that person is between Jack Conklin and J.C. Treader. That's a big difference between having that person between Chris Hubbard and J.C. Treader. You know, or on the other side, you know, having – somebody on the outside who, who's just kind of trying to figure things out. So knowing that the offensive line is a, such a big change this year, that's what I think makes everything else so much more potentially dangerous on offense. Yep. And, and I, I mean, we've seen it here, right? We've seen, I go back to 2014, when that offensive line was, you know, you had Joe Thomas and Mitchell Schwartz and Alex Mack, John Greco, who am I forgetting? They had uh, Joel Batonio, that was his rookie year. They had a really great offensive line, and for a lot of the season, they made Brian Hoyer look really good, and they were able to run the football, and they had a great scheme to go with it, and so you can kind of start to see the seeds of that as, you know, you've got a great scheme to go with some guys who are really good, and, you know, obviously we haven't seen Jedrick Wills play, but he's a number 10 overall pick. They had him first on their board, at least so they say, and he, he should be really good at some point, whether it's right away or halfway through the year, whatever, he, he should be really good. So they're definitely building something there. One other point on Higgins that I think is good here. Let's say Jarvis Landry is a little slow to get going, or, you know, maybe Odell Beckham gets banged up again. I think one thing that Rashard Higgins definitely does is he gives you some insurance on the outside. You're not going to have to throw uh, you know, people's Jones out there, or you're not going to have to just rely on, again, a guy like Kaderil Hodge or, or Damian Ratley. You can, 
you have a guy that you kind of know what he can do. He's produced for you. And so he gives you some insurance with those two guys as well, because he can play on the outside. Yeah, and, and uh, Baker's got to be pretty uh, pretty happy right now. It's been a good week for Baker Mayfield. He, you know, he got a left tackle. Uh, he got another tight end. And, uh, and now he got his buddy Richard Higgins back. And I think that's the reason why uh, – why fans have embraced Rashard Higgins because of the connection that he made with Baker Mayfield and that the way that those two guys were together, you know, preseason and, um, you know, and the, the regular season together, you know, they just had some chemistry. And I think that, uh, I think that's how he developed his little cult following that he has right now, but you're right. You, you can do that with him. He's solid. He's, he's a solid receiver. You know exactly what you're going to get from him, you know, solid if unspectacular, but, uh, you know, he's going to go down. He's going to make the catch for you. And I think they can use him more uh, in the red zone. I really do. I mean, I, he has a knack for catching the touchdown pass if they use him down there a little bit more often than we saw last year. Yeah, I wonder if Andrew Barry was looking at some of the other names in his wide receiver room and started thinking, wow, we could use Richard Higgins. I mean, uh, Kadero Hodge, you know, not, not a lot of opportunities last year. DJ Montgomery didn't even play. Jojo Natson, I think, has two career catches. And that's in three years in the NFL. So, you know, not, not a lot to work with there. I mean, you do have Damian Ratley coming back, who I think was kind of – him and Higgins were kind of like the main competition for each other last, week, last year in camp. I know Ratley was, was hurt a lot, but those two guys seem to be uh, up against it. So, yeah, I think Higgins, adding him in, you, you get experience. You get somebody who knows – Baker and it, it, it seems like a good fit and it's certainly affordable and, and I mean let's let's give the guys credit like you said Mary Kay he's he's reliable in 2018 it seemed like when they needed a third down conversion he knew where to be and Baker knew where he was going to be and that does matter to an extent and then you know what did he have four catches last year but one of those catches was one of the biggest catches of the season against Buffalo you know Baker knew where he was going to be he gets wide open he runs a great route gets wide open, Baker finds him. It's one of the biggest catches of the year uh, when, when we thought maybe the Browns would have a chance to rally and get to the postseason. So, you know, give, give Higgins credit. He is, he is limited, but he's made the most so far of, of what he has. And, uh, you know, and even though, like I said, I talked to Kareem Hunt, I think it might be hard for Rashard Higgins to get on the field. I think it's a good thing that the Browns brought him back. And, uh, you know, see, see what you can do with him and see how he fits in this offense. Well, the other thing I think to consider with, um, with Richard right now in this particular offseason, I think there's something to be said about a quarterback having chemistry with somebody because he's not going to get an opportunity to get that with anybody else uh, over the next couple of months probably. So those guys have it. They're going to come into camp together ahead of the game and already having their timing and chemistry down. And we know that Baker struggled to get that with Odell last year. At times, I think he's struggled to get it a little bit, even with uh, with Jarvis before, because he doesn't necessarily always get to practice. And this is a timing and rhythm offense. This is not a freelancing, try to get open and I'll find you kind of a, an offense. This is all very pre precision based. And the fact that those two guys trust each other, I think it's meaningful. Yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, Higgins, too, he, he played 69 snaps in the slot last year, over 100 the year before. So whether it's out wide or, or somewhere else, he has the versatility to, to do a couple th couple different things for, for them on offense. All right, so uh, there you go. Rashard Higgins back with the Browns. We're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna tell you guys about Football Insider and then when we come back, 
We're going to talk about the draft in Cleveland. What is Football Insider? Well, it's our texting service where Mary Kay, me, Ellis, Scott, uh, we will text you throughout the day, breaking news, instant analysis on breaking news, takes from whatever's going on with the Cleveland Browns, and an exclusive newsletter every day uh, with some sort of content that does not show up on our site. So, for example, on Sunday, I offered my grades for every single Browns draft pick throughout the weekend that only went out to our Football Insider subscribers in this exclusive newsletter. Those are the sorts of things we do. We also do things like a virtual draft show, which we held before the draft, obviously. And we had a bunch of Football Insider subscribers join us in a Zoom call. Me, Mary Kay, Scott Ellis, Doug Maurice jumped on that. And it was a great event uh, that they all got to take part of. So you can sign up for a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime with one text, but I don't think you'll want to. This is a service that continues to grow. After that trial, it's $3.99 a month. Again, go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a box on the right side of the page you can click on. Or it's even easier. You can text me 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965. All right, and we are back, and we're going to talk NFL draft. It was announced uh, on Tuesday that the draft in Cleveland will take place April 29th through May 1st, 2021. You get an extra week of hype for the draft, Browns fans. Uh, we're going to love that, an extra week to maybe get that weather a little bit nicer. Um, look, hopefully by then we'll be back to some semblance of normal, and we'll be able to have – you know, I don't think we're going to throw – half a million people together in one place necessarily, but you'll be able to get people together and we'll be able to have a great event in Cleveland. Um, I think what stood out to me is we kind of know where this thing's going to be at now, Mary Kay. It's going to be, it sounds like around first energy stadium and the rock hall. That's going to be sort of the focus of, of where they have this thing. Yeah. And what a beautiful backdrop and what a beautiful setting. I actually uh, drove past there today and it was, you know, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful sunny day and, you know, the stadium just looks so nice there, you know, right, right on the lake and, and the rock hall. It's just, it is, it's a cool venue. And I think people will be pleasantly surprised. I think it's going to look really good on national TV. Uh, so I think, and Cleveland does such a tremendous job of hosting big events. And, you know, you got to take your hat off to David Gilbert of the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission. Uh, because he has just done an amazing job of putting Cleveland on the sports map by helping to bring big, huge events like this here. And it go, the list goes on and on and on, you know, NBA, you know, all-star and uh, just the basketball that didn't happen this year. But all these big things going on in Cleveland, just continuing to bring so much money into the city and so much, uh, so much good publicity and good PR for Cleveland. It seems to me that, you know, when, when people came in for the, for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, whether it was journalists, fans, whatever, people raved about it. I mean, just raved about the experience. I think that's going to happen with the NFL draft here. It's a hard act they're going to have to follow, though. You know, uh, a historic draft that is going to, you know, how do you top, you know, seeing Bill Belichick's dog sitting at his computer or, you know, seeing all these coaches in their homes and, and all the, the you, you get a few players who don't attend the draft and you see them in their home. You know, Miles Garrett uh, did his own thing when he was drafted. But, you know, all the first rounders, it was, and, and even beyond, it was, you saw everybody and, and it was great to watch. And I know when, uh, when, when people found out that uh, the Vegas draft 
had planned to use, you know, the fountains of Bellagio and to, to use players, put them on a boat and take them to the red carpet. And, you know, how's Cleveland top that? Well, now I think they're still in the same situation. It's, it's you know, following something historic like that will be something. But, you know, it would be neat to see it happen in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, we'll be here for it, which would be cool. It might, it might actually be a good thing for Cleveland that they don't have to follow this big, spectacular Vegas spectacle. And, and I am curious what the draft is going to look like. Um, I think I saw Peter King tweet today that, you know, maybe we're going to see less prospects next year. Maybe we'll only have the top few guys that, you know, you'll have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and, you know, some other guys like that. It is going to look different, you know, and part of that is the city, like Cleveland doesn't have like what Nashville has, just one big strip where you can fit a huge crowd of people, but, you know, it's just built a little bit differently. And so Cleveland might kind of be set up to sort of host this new, this new look draft, you know, where we are still going to be navigating this idea of how do you put a bunch of people together in one place? Well, you know, that stadium and mall B area and rock hall seems like you could spread a, a good amount of people out and, and still have a really, a really solid event. This, this might just be perfect timing for Cleveland. And, and frankly, you know, we talked about this on our draft show a few weeks ago. If there's one state that we can kind of trust to maybe get this right as we move forward. So far, it's, it's been Ohio. So this, this might just be perfect timing for Cleveland. Yeah, and you know what? I, I kind of agree with you guys, too, that it might have been a, a weird little blessing in disguise that the city of Cleveland didn't necessarily have to follow the city of Las Vegas. I mean, Vegas, Cleveland, usually, uh, you know, you're going to pick Vegas nine times out of ten there. But, uh, you know, I, I, but I still think that it will give Cleveland, a, you know, a chance to really shine. Now, the thing that, they, that nobody really knows yet, as we've talked about here, is, you know, is it going to be exactly like it would have been? We don't know. I mean, that might not come until Vegas the next year, uh, depending on what treatments are in place and what protocols are in place. I mean, this is only a year away, but they are working on it right now. Obviously, you have to start working on it right away. And I think they're basically planning for it to be a big event full of hundreds of thousands of people. So hopefully it will be that. And, uh, and however it goes, you know, I, I know Cleveland will do a great job. One thing that would be neat, I don't, if, if, it's able, if they're able to do it, is you know, the Browns' first-round pick can walk right over to First Energy Stadium and, you know, take pictures and, and talk to us or whatever in front of, you know, the Jim Brown statue or, or Otto Graham statue or something like that. Cause it's all going to be right there. And uh, that would be kind of interesting to see. Yep. Mary Kay, I, come on, Vegas over Cleveland. Have you been, <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you guys been to Vegas? Yeah, I have. Dan? Long time ago. Long time ago. Well, we will hopefully be uh, there soon for a, for a football game one of these one of these years. And um, women on the schedule, but it's got to be. <laughs> I mean, we live in Cleveland. We don't want a vacation here. We want a vacation in Vegas, right? Yes, exactly. But yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. But you know what? I mean, people people love Cleveland. Maybe this will bring back the flats, the flats that I remember. Not that you remember, Dan. I don't know about you, Scott. You're oh, I, I remember. You remember the flats the way that we oh yeah older people 
it was, I mean, the flats was, it was just a great place to be in your 20s, you know. So maybe, maybe it'll get that whole area uh, kind of picked back up again and, and rolling. Um, here's hoping that, you know, that it can be everything that everybody first envisioned when, when, the, when the Browns in Cleveland first landed this draft. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully we'll actually get to be there. Hopefully we'll get to be like a part of it and we won't be, you know, stuck in a, a media room in Berea <laughs> every day. Hopefully we'll get a chance to kind of be there and, and, and be a part of the whole process and see Roger uh, call out the names and, and all of that stuff. And I think I saw on, on the press release today that with this draft, they've essentially hosted all the biggest events that Cleveland is capable of hosting. You know, after these events, you're talking Super Bowl, uh, Final Four, stuff like that. And, of course, Cleveland doesn't have the, the capacity to do that without a, some sort of domed stadium. So, I, I mean, it is – you mentioned this off the top, Mary-Kate. It is really impressive that they've been able to pull all these events together. Uh, and, you know, people aren't always looking to vacation in Cleveland at the end of April, but this is going to bring people to the city at a time when they wouldn't normally come here. And, and hopefully the weather will uh, – the weather will be friendly because there's nothing quite like a really beautiful spring day in Northeast Ohio in the Cleveland area, especially right there on that lake. It seems like people are always so pleasantly surprised with uh, the beauty of Cleveland. Uh, there are so many beautiful suburbs and, and vistas and, and places. I think uh, the country, obviously, you know, Cleveland has been the butt of so many jokes over the years. And I think a lot of people around the, the country believe that you know, Cleveland is just a, a blue collar place. And then, you know, then you get here and you're like, oh, you know, it's right on the water. And, and I think it's going to show itself very well. I think it'll be very pretty. I think it'll be lit up very nicely. Uh, but then, I mean, we've also got things like an amazing food scene. I mean, we really have a good food scene in Cleveland uh, with Michael Simon and, uh, you know, and, and Rocco Whalen and all the great chefs that we have in, in this town. And there's so many great neighborhoods. There's Little Italy. Uh, you know, we've got amazing gorgeous you know suburbs i mean there's one now that's featured on little fires everywhere shaker heights and uh it's just different than what people think it is it's just it's just far far different uh than the than the and there is that element too i mean and we're proud of that we are a blue collar town and we're proud of that part of it as well but there's just so much more here i mean there's just the most amazing hospitals in the country and there's some of the most amazing restaurants and the culture the you know university circle and the museums and and i just think it's going to be a really great place to come visit for anybody that comes into town for this draft yeah i listened to a lot of uh, a lot of nba podcasts and a lot of those guys talked about you know they had to spend so many time so many days in cleveland right when the finals were here every year the Cavs went to all those finals with lebron uh, and, and so they'd have to spend lots of time in Cleveland. And the things they would always mention is, uh, you know, the food scene, right? Those, the great restaurants, going down to the, the flats, the, the sort of re, redone flats now. Um, so they, they certainly took notice, the, a lot of those NBA writers that, that had to come here every single June and, and realize, hey, Cleveland's pretty nice when there's not 12 inches of snow on the ground. Yeah, people are, sh are actually, you know, shocked sometimes about, what is here. I hear that a lot from people that, you know, that move here from, you know, from a Boston or a Chicago or somewhere. They're like, you know, they, they move here and they work here. They raise their families here and they end up falling in love with it. Now, it is not Vegas. We're not going to confuse it with Vegas. We are not going to confuse it with 
New York City or LA or Chicago. It's got its own vibe. It's got its own energy, but I think people are going to love it. I just hope that it's not just all about the rock hall because that's of course what we always see on the logo for everything and anything that has to do with a all-star or some sort of league-wide event. There is more here, as we've said, than the rock hall. So. I wonder if it's like <laughs> that in other cities. You know, like, like I wonder if like, if like Nashville is tired of like, it's all about country music or like, I, I just wonder, I know obviously in Cleveland, we, we get very sensitive about seeing guitars all the time. And uh, it, it does get old because like we've said, there's so much more to, to this city than just the rock hall and guitar. Logos. It's so, so cool that we have it though. You know, I mean, again, I, I did have an occasion to, I, I live on the West side and I had occasion to drive over to university circle today. And I was very appreciative of, of living in Cleveland. I mean, just university circle alone is just absolutely gorgeous. So, I mean, in one afternoon, it was a perfect time for me to be talking about people to come to Cleveland because I saw all the museums and, and everything that we've been talking about. And I was like, this is a pretty cool place. So, so it, you know, even the Rock Hall, we do start to take those things for granted. People can go down to the Pro Football Hall of Fame too. Yep. Uh, you know, that's, that's gonna be another, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be a part of the draft in the way that it originally was going to be. When they made their first bid, it was supposed to be Canton and Cleveland and the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Browns. They separated that out, but still, it's close enough. It's an hour down the road. It's close enough for people to go, and they've done so many amazing things at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and, you know, that continues to grow in that area. It's getting really cool there, too. So I think by the time the draft rolls around, uh, that's going to be even a, a, a much greater place to visit. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. To bring it all around, obviously, Rashard Higgins wanted to be in Cleveland. So there we go. We'll bring it full circle. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Wednesday. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.